How's everybody doing today? Woo! Well, good to see you this morning. Welcome to New Life. I'm Pastor Nate. I'm one of the, well, I'm just really Nate. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. It's good to be with you. I'm the student ministries pastor. Um, I get the privilege of working with the awesome students of this church, specifically the high school students and the college students. And uh, man, if you can, if you've got a free moment today, take a moment to come connect with us. Um, God is doing some amazing things um, with our Chi Alpha International um, program. It's something new that we're just kicking off this year, um, but God has just been so faithful with sending students from all over the world to us, and so we want to connect them and help them grow in their relationship with the Lord. So if you, many of you can't go be missionaries to a foreign country, but the cool thing is that God is sending people to us. So it's a great way for us to connect with people and uh, students and uh, get to learn their culture and have them be a part of our family and just experience life together. So we're just glad that you're here. If you're watching uh, via the internet or you're watching live right now, we thank you so much for taking the time to connect with us this morning. We're glad that you're here. Well, yeah, we are here and we are in our third week of our series called Pit Crew. Anybody watch some NASCAR? I watched NASCAR last night. I'm a NASCAR guy. I love NASCAR. I married my wife, and she did not like to go to the races at all. She'd never been to the, the dirt track or never been to a NASCAR race. And since we've, you know, I've kind of converted her over. A couple weeks ago, or this past summer, I was actually in El Salvador, and she posted on Facebook, she said, oh, praise the Lord, Nate's gone. I get a week and a half off of having to watch NASCAR. She was excited about that. And so today we're in our third week of our series called Pit Crew. And over the last couple of weeks, um, I don't know if you remember, you probably do, but Pastor Jeff, he talked about the first word that we talked about was edify. Uh, we should allow others to help us do what is right and build us up in the Lord. And then last week, Pastor, Pastor Roger, he talked about encouragement. And he encouraged us to really love people, to be genuine about it. And then he also talked to encourage us to how to receive encouragement with a thankful heart. And so this morning... We're going to look at the word confession. When you think of the word confession, you're probably, you're like, oh man, confession, it's, it's tough, it's something. It brings me back I, to a memory that I had uh, probably about three years ago. Um, when I first, well, four years ago when I first came to New Life, um, I took some students to Worlds of Fun. Anybody ever been in Worlds of Fun? It's kind of fun. It's worlds of fun. It's, it's a great time. And I'm there and we're hanging out and this student actually sitting right over there in the plaid shirt, Mason and I, um, I don't actually, sh- I'm not going to show that picture, but I have a picture, but he and I rode the Mamba. It's the, the biggest, it's the humongous roller coaster at worlds of fun. And we both got on and we'd not, either, neither one of us had ridden the Mamba before. And so we get in and, and we're, we sat down and, and he and I, and, and, and this is how confession makes me feel. We sit down and, and the belt gets tied around my, around my waist. And we, all I hear is, Click, click, click as we get higher and higher going up the mountain or up the hill to the top of the roller coaster. And as we get closer, we begin to look out over the horizon and we begin to look and go, oh man, we are super high. He and I both begin to look at each other and we start to hyperventilate. And then it's like something just kicks in. Like I must remember from when my mom took Lamaze's class because I was like, and we're breathing and we're just like, and we get so close. And as we get ready to drop over, we're like, we're just holding on that's how i felt and maybe you can relate this is the picture that i have of me and my wife look at my face like i'm in just in pain i'm not enjoying myself and i felt that way when i ride a roller coaster and i used to feel that way about confession sometimes if that's the face you made when i said confession you grabbed the the pew in front of you and you just held on and you made that face maybe this message is just for you confession is sometimes scary right it's it's not the most it's not the easiest thing to do there's something inside of us um there's something inside of our spirit that doesn't want to share that man i failed i've totally blown it 
But that's the thing is, is God wants to help us. It's God's desire that we would have an open and transparent relationship with him and our brothers and sisters in Christ so that his word and those on our pit crew can build us up in love and righteousness. See, God, God designed confession. Man did. And we're going to look at it in a minute where man is kind of morphed and used and tried to use confession. But God designed confession because he wants to see us win. See, I'm going to define winning Winning spiritually defined is looking more like Jesus each and every day. And then when we die, when you hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant, you know you've won. You know you've arrived. See, to win spiritually is, 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 is to win spiritually, you need to have, surround yourself with a pit crew. You've got to surround yourself with people, guys and gals who you can confess to. So let's continue to stick with the racing analogy as we are and with my shirt on the racetrack, every driver and every team has one thing in mind. One thing in mind. What do they want to do? They want to win. What makes a NASCAR driver successful? It's the wins. It's not how many crashes he has or how many people he takes out. But it's, the, it's if he's a winner. See, it's not good enough just to go fast. Um, every team in NASCAR wants to win. That's why they compete, because they want to win. See, one way a race driver goes fast and stays out of harm's way during a race is from a spotter. Today, I want you to make a connection between the racing analogy of a, of, of a spotter and confession. It's the same way. So today, to help us better understand who, what a spotter does on the racetrack, let's watch this quick video about spotters in NASCAR. Constantly on the radio. Um, you're in three wide packs, normally around the whole racetrack. Two wide, two wide, two wide. But spotters like Chris Lambert are more than just the driver's eye in the sky. They're also trackside politicians working deals on behalf of their driver with other spotters. It's pretty funny. I mean, we'll be running back and forth trying to make deals, and you'll make a deal, and then when it's time to make the deal go, they won't happen. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's pretty interesting. Another place where team communication is critical is Pitt Road, and it's driving down here where the crew chief becomes like a second spotter. The spotter still pretty much handles that until he's like 10 stalls away from me. Three. And I can pick them up and try to help them if there's other cars already in the box. Help me around here right now. One lane, one lane, one lane, one lane. The communication, the relationship is very key uh, to the spotter and the crew chief and, and uh, the chemistry there. Um, you know, the, the chemistry builds communication and, and you, you just got to have to have, you have to have that connection. It's a relationship that drivers like Vickers depend on in order to make the right moves on the track. Still at the end of the day, the ultimate pressure is on the driver to put his car in a position to win. The spotter's not driving the car. It's still set up to the driver to make the decision. But you want him to paint the picture for you. Three wide behind you. Three wide behind you. From the Talladega Super So a spotter, it's somebody that helps on the track is, there, is the, really the bird's eye view of the overview of the track and says, hey, there's a wreck coming up, go high, go low. Hey, there's somebody on the inside, there's somebody on the outside. And it's the same way we need spiritually. We need to have people that are around us that are a part of our pit crew who are saying, hey, I see some blind spots. Hey, I see some flaws. Or hey, I, maybe I see this area where you're struggling that we can confess to and say, you know what? I just blew it here. Will you help me? And that's what we see with a spotter doing. And uh, just this last year, I was able to actually experience a spotter uh, on the track. Um, last year, I actually went to Las Vegas Motor Speedway. I was given the opportunity to go to the Richard Petty uh, driving experience. They're actually going to show you a picture. 
I'm not lying. I was actually there. So I'm there at Las Vegas Motor Speedway and I'm out there and, and I'm one of those guys that I'm like, I see things on TV and I'm like, I can do that. I can be good. I can go fast. There's no problem with it. You know, I, I can do what they do. So I get out there, I get all suited up and I get into the race car and I'm thinking, all right, I can do this. Well, at the time, man, my, my hands are shaking and I'm nervous. And then my spotter, if you can kind of see that person's wearing makeup, my spotter was Ginny. And it was a cool time. We got into the car and she's like, so are you a professional race car driver? I'm like, no, I'm just a youth pastor from Nebraska. She's like, oh, that's so cool. I actually serve in my church. I'm a, I'm a believer too. And I actually help out with my youth ministry. So it was really cool. So I get in the car and I'm talking to this gal and she's my spotter. She's a professional race car driver. And so I'm thinking, oh man, I am, this girl is going to show me up. I'm going to have to confess to her that I don't know what I'm doing. And I'm just thinking, because I don't really drive a stick very often, uh, a manual. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to kill it. Like right coming out of the, out of the, the pit lane and she's going to make fun of me and no i got it and we went we took off out on the track so we're going and so i'm out on the track and i have to confess to you i thought man i can go fast i'll go fast my first lap was only 98 miles an hour it was slow she's like uh do you want to pick it up a little bit i'm like i'm trying okay (laughs) i'm nervous here i'm trying and so we're, we're going around the track and she's talking to me and and there's another car that's out on the track and I must confess, I got passed by the other car. I'm not, and so I'm like, man, I'm really blowing it here. And she's like, no, Nate, you're okay. Just relax. Just keep it going. And she's like, get a little bit closer to the wall. And I'm like, man, I am close enough to the wall. It's, I'm four feet from the wall. She's like, get right on the wall within a foot. I'm like, no. Well, as we moved up towards the wall, I was able, the banking was a little bit better. So I was able just to smash it and just go. And so we started picking it up and I got over 125 miles an hour. So we were getting a little bit better. And she's like, you're doing a good job. And as we're going down the track, she's like, hey, look out there and see the, the markers on the track. Those are your spots. And if you hit those, that's the fastest way around the track. So she had to help me. And through that time, I was having to ask her, I was like, can, can you help me? How, how can, what can I do to be better? When I go into this corner, when do I let off the throttle? When do I pick it back up? And I, she was helping me. And that's the same thing what God wants to do in our lives. He wants to help us through this spiritual journey. There's things that you have been through that you can help other people go through, right? Amen? Amen. There's things that we can learn from each other. I'd never been on the track. Jenny had been on that track a lot. And she was able to help me get faster and make that experience an exciting one. And it's the same thing God wants to do with us. See, one way God stretches us and helps us grow is through a spiritual discipline called confession. But see, over time, I think some of us, we hear confession and we're like, man, I only hear the Roman Catholic Church practicing confession. And the the Roman Catholic Church, they they created or they introduced confession as a sacrament that the faithful people were were supposed to go and, and practice regularly. This began as a good thing, but in many ways throughout the years, it turned in to more of a duty to please man without any devotion to please God. So we have one side. So we have the extremists who are like, hey, just go do this. And the people who chose, the, the, not, it wasn't the Roman Catholic's idea, but the people chose this idea of, hey, if I just go and confess, it's no big deal. So what they continue to do is they sin boldly, but never change their action or actually have a repentant heart. So we have this, so we have these people saying, hey, you need to go confess. You need to go regularly. And then we have people like, we don't need to do that. Then we have this ditch over here of people saying, you know what? Some Protestant churches are saying, we don't need to confess to anybody. It doesn't help. I don't need to share my feelings. I don't need to share my faults with anybody. And so we went to one ditch. Today, it's my hope that we'll find a balance in this confession, in this peace. We need to find balance in confession See, I don't want to miss out on God's best. I believe God designed confession for our best in mind. 
And I also don't want to become a church that rejects confession and then just becomes a bunch of people with plastic faces that just paints on a smile and walks in the church like I have no problems. And I know you don't want to be a part of a church like that. Amen? Amen. So this morning, what does confession look like? Confession is presenting your real self to God. It is bringing before God not the person we hope to be, but the person that we truly and actually are. But confession is not this. Confession is not dumping on your accountability partner or your spotter weekly. You have to, when you, you can't just come in and dump on your account, accountability partner without any change. You can't just unload and then continue to sin boldly. See, true confession looks like this. True confession is done in humility with an attitude of repentance. See, Christians confess their sins to God to practice humbleness before him acknowledging their wrongs. It takes a a humble person to admit their faults and their mistakes. See, humility today is a vital part of confession, and then it aids to the restoration, to the forgiveness, to the victory over sin and spiritual growth. Today, 1 Peter, I believe it's going to be up here. 1 Peter 5, 6 says, Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. See, it's the attitude of coming saying, God, I can't do this on my own. God, I need your help. Change me. Confession is to God. Confession to God or to someone else doesn't change anything. But confession with a repentant heart is what God is truly looking for. See, repentance involves changing one's affections from earthly things to heavenly things. It involves turning to the living God from a God of self. It's looking unto Christ instead of looking unto myself. Godly repentance requires the right attitude towards sin. This is godly sorrow. We're going to look right here, 2 Corinthians 7, 9 through 10. It says, you were made sorrowful according to the will of God. For the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces a repentance without regret, leading to salvation. See, Paul's identifying two types of people here, two types of sorrow. There's genuine sorrow for the offense that we've committed against God. That leads to repentance. It's a, it's a change of heart that causes one to turn from sin to a submission to God. Then there's this type of repentance is what God is looking for. It leads to spiritual salvation and it leads to a re- renewed relationship with God. But then in contrast, the other sorrow that he's talking about, those who review, refuse to admit and f- turn from their own ways often become sorry only for their consequences of their sin. Or woe is me that I got caught. Today, what type of person are you today? Are you someone that says, I'm genuinely sorry for my sins. Am I, I'm genuinely sorry for the mistakes that I've made, God. Or am I a person that's like, man, I've met those students before. You, I, I know you know the difference. I've met those students who are genuinely sorry. They're like, man, I know I'm not living my life in, in accordance or pleasing to God. And then you have those other people, other, those other students that I've met that are like, man, I'm just sorry I got caught. There's no remorse. There's no sorry. There's no repentant heart. And they continue to live in the way, in a different way, according to God's plan. See, confession with the heart of humility and godly repentance leads to forgiveness and mercy. It comes from God. A good pit crew spotter will point you back to God. Proverbs 28, 13 says this, People who conceal their sin will not prosper. But if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. When true confession and repentance takes place, 
in your heart, your actions change. And 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. He will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. See, I found for myself personally that sometimes it's easier to confess to God than it is to a brother in Christ or maybe a sister in Christ. See, God designed confession that it's just not good enough for you to confess to God, but he says, I want you to confess to your brothers and sisters in Christ. There's something, there's, there's something about accountability that when you humble yourself before your friends or your peers and say, man, I blew it, that God uses. See, I believe God uses accountability partners because they are God's hands and feet extended. God uses other people. And this is the thing that I found out to be so true. This month, actually, Drew and I are getting ready to celebrate two years of marriage. I can't believe it. We've made it almost to two years. And I look back, if I can complete, just be completely honest with you guys today. As I look back on the last, or on the first year of our marriage, I was like, man, that thing was a train wreck. Thing was all over the place. I didn't think it was, I didn't think it was going to be that difficult. But what I found out as I reflected is it was two self-centered people trying to get their way every time. And as we went through and I look back at every fight and argument that we had was, is I was trying to get my way. I wasn't loving her like Christ loved the church and she wasn't respecting me. And we began to battle it out day in and day out. And I kept going, man, God, there's got to be, there's got to be more to marriage than this, than, than, than this, just this. And what God really revealed to me is, God said, Nate, marriage was designed to get the self-centeredness out of you. And I was like, man, no wonder this first year stunk because it was all about me. And now as I, as I reflect on the second year and I look back, God did some amazing things. And it was one of the, the reasons God did some amazing things was because I began to confess to my accountability partner. Instead of f- feeling like I had to come in and say, yeah, everything's peachy, everything's great, everything's awesome, I began to come into my accountability partner and say, you know what, dude, I'm, I'm stinking it up. I'm not loving my wife. I can't figure this thing out. I'm trying to read these books and do this, but I'm not getting it done. And a lot of times, my accountability partner, he wouldn't say, he wouldn't give me any, any advice. He would just say, Nate, I've been there and I'm going to be praying for you. See, so many times we come to an accountability partner and they just give us their fleshly advice. That's not what we need. Sometimes we do need their wisdom, but a lot of times we just need them to pray for us and be led in the spirit to give us that godly advice. That's through the Spirit of God. And as I begin to humble myself and begin to do that, things begin to change. Another thing that happened, I want to encourage you to do this. My wife genuinely began to pray for me. I genuinely began to pray for my wife. Instead of pointing out all of her flaws and things I didn't like about her, I began to just pray and say, God, you change her heart. I can't change her. Lord knows I can't change her. And she's not going to change me. But through God's Spirit, we can be changed. And as she began to pray, she would come up to me and say, hey, who, who have you been talking to? Or why are you doing these things, these things different? What, what's, why are you changing this? What's going on? And I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, well, everything that I'm praying for, everything's changing about you. I'm like, awesome. I'm like, what are you praying about? She would never tell me. But she just began to keep praying for me. And everything began to change. And that's the cool thing about our God is, as we lift it up to him, Things begin to change. 
We can't change people. Only God can. Amen? Amen. And this is, that was my confession to you, and this is what James is talking about in James 5.16. It says, make this your common practice. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can live together whole and healed. That's in the message version. I like how the New Living Translation wraps up the verse by saying this. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. See, I know that my wife, she humbled herself and said, you know what, Lord, I'm not doing everything correct. I know my husband's not doing everything correct. I had to admit I'm not do- I wasn't doing everything correct. But as I humbled myself before the Lord and he forgave us, he began to take this verse and make it powerful in our lives. Great power produces wonderful results. Wonderful results begin to happen this past year. See, in John, 1 John, it says, we are told by Jesus that he forgives our sins when we confess them to him. But according to James, confession to the other believers results in wholeness and healing. In the message, it tells us to make confession a common practice. You have to practice confession. If not, every time you hear confession, you're going to be like me in the roller coaster going, just trying to hold on. It's going to be like, oh, this hurts. It's too difficult. But when you practice confession, it becomes a lot easier. In my life, it's a lot easier. At first, it was like, oh, I don't want to do this. I don't want anybody to see my faults. I don't want anybody to see my failures. I'm, supposed to, I'm, so, I'm a pastor, right? I'm supposed to have it all together. And God was saying, no, just be open. In it, you'll find freedom. You'll find healing and forgiveness. And that's what God is asking of you today. You have to practice confession. See, this is what I learned. When I felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit, I had to deal with my confession right then and there. I couldn't walk away from it. I couldn't set it on the, the beside. I had to deal with the confession. Because if not, if you don't deal with the confession right then and there as you're feeling the conviction, what you'll try to do is you'll try to avoid confession. And point number two is why do we avoid confession? You know why you avoid confession. I know why I avoid confession. Pride. We don't want to admit that we're wrong, that we have issues. We don't want to admit that what we're doing really is sin. All of these things. See, our pride won't let us admit that we can't handle it on our own. Another reason is fear. Fear of rejection. Fear of lowering someone's opinion of us. Fear of being found out. Fear of letting people see who you really are. That's why we reject. Another reason why some of us reject confession is sin itself. The things we do, the attitudes that we have, we don't want to change. Some of us like the sin life that we live in, plain and simple. Another reason why we avoid confession, because we haven't found the right person. You ever, you ever try to find an accountability partner that just wasn't very good? That's a lot of reason why we don't jump into accountability partners or confession. It's because you haven't found the right person. It's key to find the right person. One who desires that want to change as well. Who really want to follow Christ. So that confession can be mutual. You've got to find someone that else that wants to change. Find someone of the same gender. If you're married, try not to find some. Try not to find someone like your. Try not to find someone like your spouse. It might be hard for them to be objective. 
or family members. Try not to stay, stay away from family members because they'll, they'll struggle to be objective. Find somebody who will be honest with you and show, show you your blind spots. It just doesn't say, oh, good job, it's okay, no big deal, and move on. But someone who's going to be real with you, who's, gonna, who's trustworthy, who will edify you and encourage you to look more like Christ each and every day, who genuinely has your best interests in mind. Find someone who's approachable. See, sharing our sins with one another isn't something that most of us get too thrilled about. I get it. I understand that. Finding someone we can truly trust is difficult. I get that. Even after we find somebody, it's still difficult to confess because of pride and letting down your guard. It doesn't come naturally. I get that. But we still have to work at it. We have to train ourselves. We have to practice regularly. Accountability fosters honesty in our lives. It it helps us to be more trustful with God and truthful with others and ourselves. So today, what if we don't confess? Today, what if you choose not to confess? Well, let's look at one of the writers in the Old Testament. David wrote this 3,000 years ago. He wrote in Psalms 32, 3 through 4. When I refused to confess my sin, my body wasted away. And I groaned all day long, day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy on me. My strength evaporated like water in the summer heat. What happens when we don't confess our sin? We are weak, we're miserable, we groan, we feel God's heavy hand of discipline. Let's be honest, we've all been there. When you don't confess your sin, you're just like, ah, just heavy. And what happens is if we don't confess our sin, And what we do is we put on a mask, we cover up, we try to hide. We come in like everything's perfect, everything's fine. And what happens is it becomes this masquerade, this game of hide and seek, a pretend. There's real no depth and there's there's no real life. See, we miss out on God's best and those around us miss out on God's best as God shines through you. John 10, 10 says this, the thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy My purpose is to give them rich and satisfying life. When you choose not to confess, it's really not an option. But if you choose not to, then you're letting the enemy win today. The enemy is destroying, is stealing the fullness of joy, the fullness of life that you could have in Christ. And today, this week, life groups are starting tonight and throughout the week. This is a, is a, a time for you as you go into life groups to meet with your people again, or maybe to start a new group, I would encourage you to find somebody in your life group who, you can, who can be an accountability person to you, a spotter to you, or find somebody who else is in a life group that, who can pour into you, who you can confess to, and they can confess to you. See, the greatest joy that I found when I surrendered and I gave up my pride, I found great freedom in just being, okay, God, here I am. You're not caught off guard by my sin. You're not caught off guard by my shame. God, you're not caught off guard by who I am. And I began to just open myself up and say, there was a peace that came over me, and God just said, Nate, just be you. Don't be anybody else. Don't try to be perfect. I've created them for them in the way I want them to be. I created you the way I want you to be. Would you just humble yourself and just relax 
and who I've designed you to be. Today, I know that's what you want for yourself. That's why you're here. Confession is key. Confession is a huge part of a, it's a huge spiritual discipline. That's not easy. Many of us struggle with it. It's not something we just run out and do. But I promise you, as you practice it, you'll find great fulfillment in it. Let's pray today. God, today we thank you so much for your, your son, Jesus. God, today we thank you for your love and your grace for us. God, that you've designed confession to be something that shapes us and molds us, that stretches us, that is something that's probably more difficult than easy. But through the process, God, you make us whole, you make us complete. So God, today, whether we have sin in our life that we haven't confessed to you about, God, may we take a moment today and confess that sin to you. To find forgiveness, to find healing, to find spiritual salvation in you when we seek you, when we invite you in. For others of us, we found our salvation in you. But God, we still struggle with with sin in our life. God, as you convict us and you shape us, would you show us someone that can be a part of our pit crew who we can live life with, we can be real with. They can call us and ask us, we can call and ask them how they're doing and pray for them. Your word says the prayer of a righteous person changes things. So God, would you shape us and mold us? Help us to lay down our pride. Lord, we love you. We thank you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Today we're gonna worship. I'm just gonna encourage you The altars are open. If you sense God leading you to come, there are going to be prayer workers in the back. If you need prayer, if you need to confess, if you need to share, feel free to do so. Let's just take a moment today as God leads us to respond to Him. Let's respond to Him in worship. Would you stand with me?